presence of God in the house this evening. And I'm convinced that God's always moving, amen? He's always moving forward. God doesn't stand still. He doesn't stay stagnant. There's a continuation with God that just forever is going to go forth. And if we could just take a minute like we did this evening, reach out and touch it. Just, just a piece to step into that glory of God. Amen. Thank you. Welcome everyone to Eastgate Pentecostal Church. It is a pleasure to have you all in the house of the Lord on this evening. Amen. If you look to your right or your left and you see someone you haven't said hello to, go ahead and say hello to them. Shake their hand. Say it's nice to see them. God. At this time, we're going to go ahead and dismiss our youth and our children downstairs for their appropriate classes. Amen. And if I haven't said it already, praise the Lord, church. going to turn your attention to a few scriptures this evening, um, but what I would like to speak to you briefly on this evening is something that, that as an individual, I deal with quite often, and, and I got I to gotta say, I, I don't like it too much, and as you can see behind me, I'm going to talk to you a little bit this evening about waiting, but specifically about what we can do when we have to wait. Amen? So if I, if I had to ask you all a question this evening, I would ask you, when was the last time you had to wait for something great? And I'm not talking about how we wait for the mail or how we wait in line at the supermarket or even how... As young children, we, work, we wait for birthdays and holidays. Quite simply, we all know what it's like to wait. And simply put, in my opinion, waiting is the worst. I, I despise waiting. I am not generally a person who likes to wait. Um, I have the pleasure of working for the same company as our pastor, and he can tell you, if you asked him, does Brother Joe like to wait? He would tell you no, because when I have to wait, who do I gripe to? Right? On the phone, and we talk about jobs, man, I got to wait for this or I wait for that. I just, I inherently am not a patient person. See, there's not a fiber in my being, and I think it would be safe to say in most of us here, there's not a fiber in any of our being that is typically excited for the dynamic of waiting. I can remember being a young child and Christmas night would come, it's Christmas Eve, and my brothers and I are piled in the room, and my parents would say, if you come out, you get nothing. Just that anticipation of not going to sleep until four in the morning, being excited, and then two hours later, okay, Dad said, it's six o'clock, it's morning time, let's roll. I, I am just 
inherently naughty person who likes to wait for, for much of anything. And I think it's important, too, that this is the reason why we, we install waiting in our, in our children as well. Um, I can tell you that my youngest son, Aaron, has picked up on some of my traits, and being impatient is one of them. Um, my son loves to, if he gets a gift card or something for his birthday or for a holiday or for doing work, man, the first thing that thing is doing is burning a hole in his pocket. He wants to go spend it on the first shiny thing that comes across his eyes. But I, I think as parents, you know, it's important that we, we instill waiting in our children. Amen? Um, and we might ask, well, well, why do we need to do that? Well, as adults, we can think of many reasons why, right? But I, I think one main reason is because waiting is inherently difficult. Um, at least it is from where I am standing. Um, I'd like to propose to you all tonight that the Bible is actually a book written about waiting. And if you allow me a few moments tonight, I'm going to connect a few pieces of scripture that I hope can reveal this to us all. You see, in the beginning of the Bible, we see the promises of God's victory over Satan in our first parents, Adam and Eve. And we can see this, and if you want to write these down, feel free. Uh, we see this in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. We also find further promises of God's restoration through his prophets, specifically in the book of Isaiah, chapters 44 through 66, and even the waiting on the Lord's glorious and coming judgment in Malachi 3 and 4. You see, when we get to this last book of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, there is a great silence after the prophecy of Malachi. Although to us, we have the benefit of hindsight, because every time we open up our Bibles, there's a single page between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But in actual reality, that single page for us symbolizes over 400 years of silence for the Israelites. That period of time of 400 years, man, to be silent, to have to wait... I can assuredly tell you that I don't know if I could endure 400 years of waiting for anything, let alone four minutes. You see, folks, I'd like to talk to you about the clear link between Malachi's promise and Malachi 3.1 and something that Pastor has talked about recently, um, the beginning of Mark's gospel, because the two are connected. There's a thread here. Um, under the oversight of the Apostle Peter, Mark begins his work with the title in Mark 1.1, he then connects that verse of scripture with Malachi 3 and 1. And also he connects it with Isaiah 40 and 3 to help us understand the ministry of John the Baptist. If we take the, the summarization of all of these together, this is what we have. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face which shall prepare the way before thee. You see, Mark pointed back to Malachi in, in the beginning of, of his gospel. But I'm often challenged to wonder what it was like for Malachi's original audience. I wonder how they would have under, understood these words. You see, Malachi's promise of a messenger bellowed out to a people that were disenfranchised with the promises of God. 
You see, there had been so much time that had elapsed that the people God had chosen were waning back to the very sins which caused their exile. Namely, those sins specifically were lust and idolatry. Though the people of God were faithless, God's promises still remained. Israel would wait centuries for its fulfillment, but its delay was not a sign of God's faithlessness or his ineptitude, but a means of displaying our own issues. See, church, every season of silence is an opportunity to worship and wait on God. We recently had an evangelist here and his son, Brother Villon, and he preached a message about the potter, about refining the clay. And I have to say, church, that in my life, those times of silence are refining times. I aken it to talking with someone. Well, let me put it this way. Who, who's ever had a conversation with someone where you had an awkward silence? There's that random pause or there's that, man, I don't know what to say next. And you, you feel uncomfortable, right? Whatever that is, or whether it's a negotiation for business or whether it's a conversation with a spouse, a friend, or a child, you just get into that situation, that point, and it is just so uncomfortable. I, I don't inherently like silence either. Um, I'm getting to that point to where I'm probably going to have to buy steak and bell tone because I can't hear. But I, I don't like silence. It just... There's just something about it. Um, I recently, I had a meeting with the, with the boss of our company and uh, a good man, but sometimes when he looks at you and he's staring through you with these tiny little beady eyes that just look like they burn a hole in your soul and there's an awkward silence and you're sitting there processing what he said, it just it feels uncomfortable. I, I, just, I don't like it. I, it also reminds me of the time of silence when, as a young man being in trouble with my parents, something that I had done wrong or didn't even know what I did. I get called into my dad's office and I was like, man, what did I do now? I used to hate what he said. Son, it's not what you did do, it's what you didn't do. Or it's not what you didn't do, it's what you did do or vice versa, right? I, I hated that. And he would sit me down and he would just stare at me for a few seconds. And it felt like the whole weight of the world was just dropped right on me. Poof. And I have to think that there were some of those feelings that resonated with the people of Israel over that time. You see, I think, church, that if we look back at the, the book of Malachi, the whole book becomes a guide for us in our seasons of difficulty. When we too, and maybe one of our most, for lack of a better term, out of mind moments, we've all had those. Has anyone here ever been just so bewildered or so upset at a situation, they just were out of their mind. Yeah, you're just sitting there and you're like, man, I, I don't know. You just, your brain can't even comprehend just what happens, whether it's in disbelief or, or anger or being upset. We, we've all been there, right? That the people of Israel, must have, they were just sitting there in this moment. And we hear them say, and this is in Malachi 3 and 14, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance? Hmm. What a place to be in, right? A, a place to be sitting in there and wondering, okay, Lord, where are you? Okay, Lord, I'm in the waiting. I'm in that process between promise and fulfillment. And I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn or 
where to go. And, and as human beings, I think we can, we can sometimes, you know, our mind gets going. I think when our mind gets on that hamster wheel, then our, then our mouth and our feet get going too. And sometimes that's a bad combination. Amen. And, I, and I think that's where the, where the people of Israel were here. But I think, church, as we meditate on, on the book of Malachi, if you go back and, and read the first few chapters, we see that God's promises in Malachi, we learn firsthand that, that he loves us. We can see that in Malachi 1 and 2. But we must also not allow our familiarity with this idea to rob ourselves of its grandeur. And we all say, God is good, God is love, God is great, and we say it, and we say it, and we say it. But when in our lives does it become just a saying? Do, do we believe it? Do we, do we allow that God is so great, God is so good? I mean, I, I think sometimes why God doesn't bless Brother Piper is because maybe I would get used to his blessings all the time, and it wouldn't mean so much. I don't know about you. I'm just, I'm just speaking from the heart here, church. All right. All right. That's true. But I, 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 I got to wonder. You know, I think... I want to go and go and go and, and go and, and I'm in God's flow, I'm in this, but do I, do I ever sit back and just allow myself to ruminate in the wonder and awe of God and just let that soak in for a minute and don't let it be mundane or don't let it be something that, that happens. We had a wonderful move of God this evening, but as a church body, we should never come in here and let a move of God like that pass us by. You know, it should never pass us by, not only in the church, but even in our homes, in our cars, on our way to work, or in our schools, or wherever we're at, on the job site. If we have a moment to bask in the presence and the glory of God, we ought to hold on to that and seize it with every fiber of our being. Secondarily, we learn through Malachi that our God is a just God. We find this in Malachi 2, 17, and 4 and 1. You see, church, God's patience in serving out his justice is meant to lead us to repentance. Right. Not right. indifference or hard-heartedness. I never liked being disciplined as a child. I still don't like being disciplined as an adult. <laughs> but there's something to be learned there, amen? amen. There's something that we can be, be taught there's something to say, okay, that when, when correction comes and it is just correction and it is justified correction, we ought to take heed. See, I hope I never ever get to the point in my life where if I've done something wrong or offended someone that they can never come up to me and say, Brother Joe, we need to talk. Yeah. Brother Joe, there might be issue here. There might be ought between oh. you and I. I would always like to say that I can be in a place where humility steps in. Amen? Lastly, we find in, in Malachi 3 and 6 that, that God does not change. See, the, in the, the word there is immutability, which means does not mutate or does not change. And it's a comfort to us because his words and promises are unfading. If God spoke something into your life, church, whether it was five years, 10 years, or 75 years ago, you better know in your heart that that's coming true. 
And quite honestly, God might have made a promise in your life that you'll never see. What if he promised something to you about a spouse or about one of your children or about a situation? And you may never live long enough to see the fruition of that. There's several examples of that in the Bible where God's promises outlived the people that, that he gave them to. But I also would say that in that circumstance that that promise wasn't just meant for that person. It was meant for someone else. Amen? I don't, I don't know what anyone, including myself, is going through. You know, if folks make situations known and ask for prayer in the chats and the channels, you know, I'm happy to pray for them. I'm happy to do that. But some of you may be examining your world and feel, feel that God is absent in your life. Some of you, maybe not. Maybe you feel as strong as you've ever felt in God. And, and I think to a certain degree that both of those places are okay places to be. Because when things are going great and we feel God and we're in the flow, we can learn. It, it brings up our faith because we can see that in action. But I would also say that in those times where we're examining what's happening, in those times where we have to look and dig a little bit harder. Those are, those are times where we can learn as well. None of us like to have things dug out of our heart or dug out of our lives. Yeah. As people, I think we, we inherently like to hold on to things, regardless of what those things might be, but we, we hold on to things. I can tell you as, as being a married individual that my wife and I have had conversations and she's mentioned things that happened 15 years ago and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I don't know. And it's not that I don't love you or I don't want to remember. I just, quite honestly, I don't remember. There wasn't enough space between the ears for that to stay there. Sorry, that one was free and got me off my notes. <laughs> but, but the point is, is those times of molding, those, those times of silence are truly beneficial to us, I believe. You see, the 400 years of silence between God's promises and his fulfillment, they do not negate Israel's hardship in between those years. That was 400 years that they, they went through some stuff. And they knew it. Because you can go back and you can read in the Old Testament what they went through during that time. You can read, well, you read exactly in the Gospels where they were. You know, Rome had taken over. The, you know, they, those poor folks went some through things. But I think it's kind of like us. We have to go through things to, to get somewhere, to have that end in sight. Amen? You see, church, back to Malachi 3 and 1, we see the, the bold truth that it was fulfilled in John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. But Malachi was talking about was John the Baptist. That's who he was talking about. Jesus Christ was who he was talking about. John's long-awaited messenger of John and later into Jesus can be found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 7 through 15. We find it there. In closing, church, I would, I would like to say that overall I think that that the days of silence in themselves are, are coming to a close. Now, we might, we might have silent times and silent moments, but we're not going to have 400 years of silence again. It's not going to happen. We're, we're, we're too far along that path, amen? And, and quite frankly, I'm happy for that because, I, again, I don't, I don't like waiting. 
You see, church, the Lord Jesus came preaching and proclaiming that all the world would hear the message of the kingdom of God. His message is one of repentance, that is turning away from our sins, turning away from those thoughts that hold us captive, and turning them back to God. Those times when, we, when we're there and we're contemplating and we're in the silence, I think it's safe to say that in those silent moments, God is closer to us than at any other time. You see, church, in today's day and age, there is no silence. There is only clarity, perfection, trustworthiness, and finality. And we find that in the scriptures. We have the ability of hindsight to to read the Gospels, to read the Old Testament. The Bible says, seek and ye shall find. Right? Where do we do that, church? We do that in picking up the Word of God. One of the awesomest things that I love about our men's chat group that we have is there'll be times where I'll be thinking about something and then a scripture will pop up and it's right before your face and all I can say is, thank you, Jesus, I needed that. That perfect timing where it's out of, out of nowhere, it's right there and it's like, okay, God, I was asking you about something or there was something that was on my heart and lo and behold, some other brother that you maybe not have talked to you for two or three days, post something up there, and it's just what you needed at that moment. See, because every time we read the Bible, church, we hear the voice of God. I would dare say, church, that in the silence and in the waiting, if we listen carefully enough, that is when the Lord is speaking loudest of all to us. See, because in the silence and in the waiting... The other distractions that want to come at us or the things that can be, if we can put a bubble around those in that time of contemplation, of picking up the Bible and reading the scriptures and searching, Lord, I, I have something that I need of you today, Lord God. Pick up the word. Search it. Right. Look at it. You don't have to read it like it's a book, like any other textbook you ever read in school or book the school made you read. You don't have to pick it up and read it from cover to cover. I can't tell you how many times I've had a situation or something come up in my life and, Lord, I need you, Jesus. Pick it up. We have this wonderful thing on our phones and our tablets. It's called the Internet. Lord, I'm dealing with this situation. And I'll look, at, I'll look straight up. Okay, show me scriptures on X subject. And boom, there's every single scripture you could ever imagine. Immerse yourself in it. Look in it because it's going to be made clear to you. God said, ask, Right? Ask of him, and he's going to tell you if you're listening. See, church, I came to say and tell you that in the waiting, Jesus is there. And as I come to a close, I'd like to leave you with one last thing. In the silence, the Lord is speaking, but are we listening? Let us take that in our hearts over the next few days. Take some time, even if it's intentional silence. Go back into your prayer closet, church. Go back into your time of quietness and ask God for what you need. 
but be intent on listening for his answer. Amen? Amen. These altars are open. I invite you all to please come and pray.